This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Roughly two hours from now, we're going to be having Game 2 of an Eastern Conference semifinal series between the 76ers and Celtics, a game you can listen to right here on ESPN Radio. That coverage is going to be starting in roughly 90 minutes. But in the meantime, it's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM at Channel 80. It's all presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Neitzel. She's Courtney Cronin as we fill in for the guys today. And with that 76ers-Celtics series, the 76ers presumably getting some good news today as the newly crowned league MVP, Joel Embiid, going to be back in Game 2, barring any sort of setback, which I feel like we would have heard about by now as we, again, continue to close in on tip-off of Game 2. Joel Embiid, who did win that MVP, had his press conference earlier today and here's what he had to say about his status for tonight's game. It's a possibility, just like it was a possibility in the first game. Um, but, you know, I'm going to listen to those guys and, you know, see what they have to say, the doctors. And, uh, you know, obviously I want to play. Uh, you know, everybody knows me. I, I just love being on the court and I love to play. So there's a possibility and I got the green light and, uh then I'm. Then we're gonna go ahead. But uh, we, like I said, we're just gonna talk about it. Seems like he does have that green light, and maybe that happened after shoot around. As Doc Rivers, 76ers head coach, talked with Kesty and PJ Carlissimo, who are gonna be on the call tonight. And here's what Rivers had to say about his top player. Yeah, I mean, he looked great today in shoot around. You know, obviously we still have to wait. Um, I'm just, you know, he handled it well too. Like he. You know, the shoot around before game one, if you had a song sitting there, I walk over, you know, you could see the weight. Like, man, I'm here and I can't play again. And I told him, if this is the worst thing that happens on the way to winning the title, this is not all bad. You know, I said, just look at the big picture. And I, I think he's done that. He felt great. We worked out yesterday. So I'm hoping he plays. You know, I, I, I think we're leaning that way for sure. It's been almost two weeks since he has last played as he deals with this knee injury. Do you think this is the right call, Courtney, for Joel Embiid to go in Game 2 tonight with the Sixers already up one game to nothing after stealing home court advantage earlier this week? I do if he really is healthier than he was two weeks ago. And you would imagine the sprained LCL in his right knee, which is the same right knee that he had the torn meniscus in in 2021 when he leaves game four against Washington and they lose in the first round. Like This knee has been a problem for him. So I don't think he chances it if he knows he's not all there. And hearing him speak, Gabe, That sounded like somebody who was confident but still waiting for the official clearance so he's not saying one thing and then the team does another. But I don't think he's speaking with that much confidence about, you know, probably be out there if I get the green light. And even with how Doc Rivers addressed how Joel Embiid looked in shoot-around and that he expects to have him available tonight. All signs are pointing towards this happening. Should he play? They're lucky right now that they're in a spot where they won without him. I don't know if they can do it again and expect the same result from James Harden in what we saw, a 45-point turn-back-the-clock explosion. It truly yes. was 2018 all over again. And I don't expect that to happen five years later tonight when they're when they're in Boston for the series. But I do think that they – I mean, obviously they're a different team with Joel Embiid. I think they could get by without him if need be. But nothing that was said there – convinces me that he is not playing. Not whatsoever. I think Joel Embiid feels the weight of playoffs past 
whether it was the thumb injury last year and the orbital fracture last year, all the things he had to deal with. And then you go back year after year, 2021, as I mentioned, the knee, 2020, ankle inside the bubble, 2019, knee tendinitis in his other knee, 2018, the orbital fracture of his left eye. This guy cannot catch a break when it comes to injuries in the postseason. And frankly, whether he's completely healthy or not, whether he's lying to himself or he truly is in, in peak form ready to go tonight, I think he's looking at it saying, I, the, I've just got to find a way around this. I've got to find a way to not have these things be a hindrance to me and my team because the common denominator here of why they have not been able to get out of the Eastern Conference semifinals since he got there, dating back to you know his first playoff series not soon, not long after he was drafted in, in 14, it's because of his health and because of what happens when this team does not have Joel Embiid in the lineup. Yeah, I think if he plays tonight, it puts a lot of pressure on the Boston Celtics after losing Game 1. Suddenly now the MVP is back. You have to change what you do offensively. Clearly, what you do defensively has to change as well. Maybe it changes the rotations they play to combat the big body of Joel Embiid, which makes it tough for the Celtics. And it doesn't feel like tonight is must-win for Boston, Courtney, but it feels like if you want to split the hair of... It's not must win, but it certainly feels like you can't lose this one. You have to at least split at home before you go on the on the road to Philly. And you can't look like you did the other night where you dominate in the post. And they did. And then they still lost that game. You turn the ball over at an alarming rate in the first half, and you're wondering, what's wrong with this team? Why do they look so discombobulated when Jason Tatum is scoring 39 points and 11, has 11 rebounds to add to that? He's performing well. Jalen Brown had a – I think he had 24 on Monday night. Like the, Offensively, there were no issues. It was on the defensive end, and I, I just – I struggled to figure out how can they nip this in the bud and not have it carry over into game two? Because if they go down 0-2 and the series shifts back to Philadelphia and you have a healthy Joel Embiid, I just look at this and say, that feels like a wrap, and this feels like this will very well head to the Eastern Conference Finals where they'd meet up with Miami or the Knicks. Yeah, and for Boston, it kind of feels like we may be ending an era if they can't figure it out in this series and going forward. And Mike Greenberg Earlier today on his show, Greeny asked that question. Could we be seeing the end of the Tatum-Brown era for the Celtics? The Celtics, I think, could be playing for their future. If this thing goes sideways, I do wonder if that will be the end of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown sees himself in a little different light. One year left on the deal. I think it'll be very interesting to see if this thing just goes really sideways, really badly. I wonder if they make a decision to make what would be a seismic trade this offseason. If they get knocked out here, particularly if Embiid isn't able to come back, I think that could be the beginning of something different in Boston. I don't feel, Courtney, that that's a hot take there from Greeny because they have been shopping previously Jalen Brown looking for maybe somebody else, a better number two, or maybe a 1B to Tatum's 1A, trying to find different ways to improve this team and get them over that hump to win a championship. His future is as uncertain as it's ever been, and even dating back to last offseason when there was the idea that they were trying to shop him, potentially even bring Kevin Durant 
into the fold. Like, he still has two years on his contract, so he very well may be on the trading block no matter what happens, or he could ask out. I mean, he could request a trade, as we've seen. Those are uh, those are not few and far between in the NBA. And I look at this, and I feel like this is an inevitability. Like what Greeny was saying, I'm with you. It's not a hot take. It feels more and more like it's becoming reality. It just looks like this is a guy, if you read between the lines of his comments, that he feels underappreciated by the Celtics organization, and he wants a larger role. I don't know if he's a number one. I really don't. I, he may want to get paid like one. He may want to play like one. But to me, I think he looks at himself and says, some nights you get the Jason Tatum that you had the last two nights, the final game in Atlanta mm-hmm. against Atlanta and the one where he scored 39. Sometimes you get Jason Tatum where he can't shoot closer than 14 feet from the basket and goes 1-10 from three in game five against Atlanta. Jalen Brown has been more consistent than he hasn't been. And I think it rubs him the wrong way that he doesn't ever get the sort of credence that he is that guy and that he can handle a bigger role and a bigger load and that he does want to be somewhere with his wide-range skill set. That is not easily attainable at all, but to be on a team where he is what everything runs through. He's a two-time All-Star. He would, as we know from the offers that they entertained at the, before the trade deadline, it was thought that he would have just been way too expensive for any team to try to acquire, and he is a necessary piece for this champion, this team to try to get back to contend for a championship. But maybe he feels like they're using him, and I know that's a weird thing to say because it's like it's sports. You got to construct the best roster possible. Like if you're there, you know, for the short term, and they find a role for you, then at least you're there to contend. But I think he wants to have some sort of long-term security to know that. Not every time an option comes up, you're entertaining it and thinking about moving him and what that would mean for his career beyond this season. Canty and Colin presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Click or call today. Find out how they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. LeBron James and the Lakers steal home court advantage away from the Warriors with a huge Game 1 win in San Francisco. How will Golden State respond? Coverage begins tomorrow at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Now that we find ourselves firmly in the second round of the NBA postseason, we've got some questions about the storylines, and our producer, Shannon Penn, going to mm-hmm. jump in and ask me, Gabe Neitzel, and her, Courtney Cronin, yep. the, the, the questions that need to be answered about the second round. And yeah, I'm not going to act like these were original thoughts by me. It's on ESPN.com right now. Looking at the uh, breakdown of the biggest storylines of the second round of the NBA playoffs. They had five questions listed, so I figured I'll throw it out to you guys. A little rapid-fire action. Courtney, I will start with you with this one. Of the second round teams, which player has been your MVP so far in the playoffs? Can it be anybody other than Devin Booker? And I know that I have been on the Jimmy Butler train for the entire postseason, and rightfully so. Like I'm going to give myself some credit for that. But Devin Booker and what he's meant to this Suns team that is very top-heavy. It's him and Kevin Durant and, frankly, probably nobody else because we don't know about Chris Paul and the uncertainty there with the hamstring injury. He has been tremendous. You know, the the shooting percentage, the 37-plus that he's averaging in the first two rounds of the series, 
those numbers on 60% shooting are stuff that, like, Shaquille O'Neal and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar reach. Like, he's in historic territory, and... For me, the biggest contributions from him came on the defensive end. Certainly saw it against the Clippers. Hopefully it'll show up more against the, against the Nuggets when they come to Phoenix to have Game 3. But I, as much as I love Jimmy Butler, as much as I love seeing where the series is headed it, with the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks, I still think it's Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker did what you're supposed to do against a shorthanded Clippers team. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat were not supposed to beat the Bucks, and they were not supposed to be able to do it in five games. The Bucks had the best odds to win the NBA championship entering the postseason, and Jimmy Butler single-handedly made sure that did not happen. And then he goes out, and playing on an injured ankle leads them to a Game 1 victory in New York in Madison Square Garden. I don't think it's a coincidence that the one game that they've they've now dropped against the Knicks was a game in which he did not play last night. It has to be Jimmy Butler because of what he has done sing, nearly single-handedly because the second-best offensive player for the Heat broke his hand early in the series against the Bucks as well. Jimmy's doing it with so much, with just literally no help on that team when he's been able to play. It has to be Jimmy Butler in terms of being the MVP of the postseason so far. All right, real quick, too, before we move on. So, Gabe, where were you when uh, Jimmy hit that uh, shot? against the Bucks. Remind the folks. Who, you, you, oh, so you mean when he pushed off? When he pushed off and got away with it and then oh, made the bucket? There. <laughs> he pushed off. What do you want? Uh, I was at the game. I was at the game. I was sitting on the opposite baseline where he was over on the other end. And then that meant I got to see the Bucks season end with, you know, nobody taking a shot and not even trying to tie the game. On the, on the end I was sitting at. That was real fun. That was uh, cool. Thanks, thanks for letting me talk about that, Shannon. I really appreciate it. Right, so let's time. focus on players who are still in the playoffs. All right, Gabe, I'll have you start with this one. Which, in, which injury to a player will have the biggest impact on the rest of the playoffs? The aforementioned Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, or Julius Randle? I'm going to lean towards Chris Paul here just because even with Jimmy Butler, I'm not sure the Heat are going to come out of the East. Whereas with Chris Paul, the Suns are expected to be, were expected to be one of the best teams in the West. One of the teams standing in the Western Conference Finals and down 2-0 and having his status for Game 3 and 4 being in as much doubt as it is. They need Chris Paul, not just for the scoring that he can provide, but the playmaking. Now you're asking Devin Booker to do different things. I, I think it's Chris Paul because the Suns have legitimate championship hopes, and down 2-0, they need to be at full strength. They don't have any depth on that roster, so I'm going to say Chris Paul. Easy one for me, it's Joel Embiid, because the injuries that have affected him dating back to the 19 season – our main reason why they're not able to get out of the playoffs. Like that year and they get swept by the Celtics, you know, they get they lose to the Hawks in the semifinals the next year, they lose to the Heat the next year. They're playing the Celtics right now. They have not been to the conference finals since I don't know, it's been a very long time. Nobody on this this part of this organization it was the mid 80s. Well, it was part of that team. Joel Embiid if you don't have him, that burden goes on to James Harden, and as much as I respect what Harden did in Game 1, I don't believe you're going to get those sorts of performances on a regular basis, and I don't know where else that burden goes. All right, Courtney, fill in the blank for me with this one. The NBA's second round has been blank. Thrilling because of the game that we got last night where you've got the Knicks on the ropes at home having to grind that win out, the Lakers, and what it took to take a 112-112 tie and to close that thing out with a monster night from Anthony Davis. 
I mean, the Suns and Nuggets series, for as lopsided as that series has been, you see a Nuggets team that's saying, all right, we're here. We're not this boring team that plays in the Western Conference that nobody pays attention to because we're in Denver. We're a good team, maybe even the best team in the Western Conference. Thrilling is the adjective I would use to describe the second round, and frankly, I'd use it for the entire playoffs at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying this has been straight-up fun. In each conference, you have different rivalries, but you have two series that involve rivalries, one being more of a historic one going back to the 90s with the Heat and Knicks, so that's certainly fun. You're getting more of a player rivalry in Steph versus LeBron in the West, and also the other series in the East, two of the best teams in the NBA, the series that everybody was looking forward to in the semifinals happening between the 76ers and Celtics. And by the way, Jamal Murray, I know he didn't have a great game two, but his game one was fantastic, and him being healthy, to me, just is is such a big difference for this Nuggets team, and he is a big reason why they are up 2-0 on the Suns, a team with one of the best players of his generation as well as, as in KD. So th- this has just been a really fun second round because of the matchups that we ended up getting. All right, the player still standing, Gabe, who needs to win the title the most this year. It, it, to me, it has to be Jokic because he's the two-time MVP. They've been the number one seed, and... Okay, cool. You've been able to do all these great things in the regular season, win all those games in the regular season, win regular season MVPs. You just haven't been able to do it in the playoffs. And now that they are starting to back that up, it seems super important that they take advantage of this heater that they're on and ride that to a championship so Jokic can shut up all the people that have been saying that he can't win a championship, he's just a regular season player, whatever they do over there doesn't work in the postseason. They've got a golden opportunity to take advantage of that. Jason Tatum for me, guys, I think that this is a team when Milwaukee was eliminated that got thrust into a position that maybe they don't deserve right now. I know they had the best odds and still do to win a title, but that you can poke a lot of holes in what the Celtics have done up until this point and see maybe a better contender for a championship. As we were just talking about, we don't know what the future holds for Jalen Brown and what this core is going to be beyond this season. The time is now for Jason Tatum, a young superstar in this league, one of the next faces of the league, to take over and win a championship. All right, last question here for you, Courtney. What are your dream matchups for each of the two conference finals? Dream matchup. Well, dream matchup in the West would be the storylines because that's what the NBA is run on, and it would be Suns-Warriors, but I'm really skeptical on the Warriors right now. I mean, not on the Warriors, on the Suns. I was about to say, the Warriors, whoa, whoa, I'm not skeptical at all. I think, I mean, my goodness, I think that game is going, that series is going six. I don't know if the Suns are going to be able to win a game against Denver, the way that they're playing and without Chris Paul. So I'd love to see that. That would be my dream matchup. You didn't say it had to be a likely matchup. That's my dream matchup in the West. And then over in the East, Nick 76ers sounds pretty good. Yeah, really, Nixon, anybody, kind of sounds good. I'm, I'm with you with the West because the storylines with KD, the Warriors, that, to me, would be the dream matchup out there. I went Celtics-Knicks just because you get the Boston-New York thing, and that's always a fun, you know, kind of storyline to always play out no matter what sport we're talking like, about. So I would say celtics You guys really think Warriors-Suns over Suns-Lakers, a KD-LeBron matchup in the Western Conference Finals? Do you think that's – you think – uh, KD going against Steph's a better storyline than it would be KD going against LeBron? The history. I mean, you yeah. and I have talked about this with what leads to rivalries. 
LeBron and, and Kevin Durant have been in that same class of NBA player for a number of years, but there isn't that same sort of storyline intrigue that we see between Kevin Durant and his former team. 100%. Like you, just, you don't have the history the way that Steph and KD have that history. It'd be fun to watch. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, what was your first club experience? I'm not sure why we're asking this question, but it's a question we're asking it's nonetheless. After Courtney has this word from Indeed. Thank you, Gabe. If your summer hiring program is heating up, then make the whole process more chill with Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with your job quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can even schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from the Indeed website. Visit Indeed.com credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. A question that was asked of both myself and Courtney, Gabe Knights with Courtney Cronin, filling in on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio, ESPN app, before the show even started today, was what was your first club experience? I have no idea why this question was asked. I don't know where this question came from, but our producer, Shannon Penn, uh-huh. felt that it was important that he ask this question. Yeah, because somebody yesterday on Twitter, and I, and I meant to uh, save it so I can send it to everyone, but he posed it, someone posed that question on Twitter yesterday, like, what was your first club experience? Like, what was the club? What was it in some, some you know, small town somewhere? Did you have a good experience? Did it live up to the hype? Courtney, I'll start with you. What was your club experience when you finally went to the club? What was that like? 
So I was older than most people would probably expect. I wasn't trying to sneak back into the, you know, sneak through the back door into the club at 18. And you've got two Midwesterners here between myself and Gabe. <laughs> so we go to bars. Like we went to yes. colleges where you go to bars, not the club. I was 24 when I had my first club experience. And oh, was it memorable. I was down in South Beach. I was working in Mississippi at the time. I had just wrapped up high school state championships, and I decided to have my first ever spring break. I never did it in college because I was you know, grinding, covering the Big Ten tournament, and you know, trying to make a career out of this. Seems like that worked out okay. Um, but I was down in Miami with my girlfriends from college, and if you've ever been to South Beach before – and you have the cabanas and like wherever you're like hanging out, they have promoters who come up to you on the beach to say to say like, you know, they've got this special or, hey, so and so is performing here tonight. Come through and we'll send a ride for you. So when we hear we're 24 years old, I mean, we're not like fully, you know formed adults yet so when you hear someone sending a stretch limousine lincoln navigator stretch limousine for you in south beach to pick you up and bring you to this nightclub you're gonna say yes i didn't vet this i you know there, there's a lot of safety concerns in this now that I'm, I'm replaying all of this in my mind we didn't know where the club was i'd never heard of it uh did not know the people who picked us up in this in this stretch limousine but nonetheless we put our party outfits on. We get in the stretch limousine. We think we're going right to the club. There's bottles in there. Like, you could pour a drink, have a good time. The music's playing. And we're, like, circling kind of around our area, which was in South Beach where a lot of the hotels are. I'm like, where's this club? We ended up picking up two more groups of girls. So the four of us became the 12 or 13 of us smashed into the back of this Lincoln Navigator stretch limo, which was very spacious when it was four people. When it's... 12 and 13 girls in the back of a stretch limousine, it's a little bit more cramped. So clearly the promoter's trying to get their money's worth. We get to this club called Cameo. It was in South Beach. It's per it's temporarily closed. I'll tell you why here in a minute because I just looked it up. We get there, and it's still relatively early. This is Miami time. This is like 12, 1230 in the morning. And I'm like, okay, well, this is late for me. Midwesterner Courtney over here, now working in the deep south. <laughs> Bars are supposed to be closing soon. Yes. Like, I had no concept of Miami time. So we're standing there, like, all right, let's get a drink. So I go and I get a drink, and I get like everybody else is thinking, okay, this is not going to be that bad. And I'm from Chicago. I should know better. Like, I have some street smarts in me, even though it might not sound like it. But when I got the bill and realized the round of four, four singles, by the way, it ain't doubles. Four singles and each drink of like a vodka soda came out to over $26 for Well Vodka. I don't know what brand it was. It was Well Vodka and Sprite. And the bill was, you know, over $100 for that. Like that was the first strike on this place. And then I kind of buried the lead here. The act we were sold on seeing, hey, we're going to send a limousine for you because Fabulous, do you guys know who that is? I just got to make sure. Be Sauce Garden didn't know who, thank you. Sauce Garden didn't know who <laughs> Jessica Alba was, so I have to like read the room every time I mention somebody now to make sure everybody, including Eric, our very young producer. Um, Eric, how old are you? You know who Fabulous is? 
26? Yeah, I'm 20, I'm 28, so I, I know who he okay. is. Okay, yeah. you're, you're, you're in the realm. There are young people at ESPN Radio, though, who probably have no clue what a banger this song was back in the day. I think I'm going to go see Fabul- Fabulous, and the hours on the clock continue. It's 1 o'clock, it's 2 o'clock, it's past 3 in the morning... How many and drinks are you? So are you pacing yourself because the the, the drinks are twenty six bucks a pop, Courtney. Are you I pacing got yourself one at ra- this point? I mean, I'm trying. I got one round. I didn't buy the other rounds. That was on the rest of these girls I was with, like my college best friends. Like you know, I sacrifice. You could sacrifice too. It's like three thirty in the morning. I'm like, guys, fabulous isn't coming. We're leaving. <laughs> and by the time we left, he apparently showed up for. A very late night performance that I missed, and I spent some a lot of money on some very average drinks in a very average club setting. And so, as you and I were talking about this, I went to look to figure out what happened to Cameo. Well, Cameo is temporarily closed. I can't oh, find no. the exact reasoning behind it. It was sold in 2015. I don't know why either, but this was a club that Mike... And Maurice Mar- Mar- Marquise Pouncey, two oh. former NFL players, got into a skirmish and they were apparently sued over it. It happened at this nightclub that I went to. It did not happen when I was there, but apparently it did happen back in 2014, not long after I would have been there in March of 2014. Maybe Fabulous was performing and things got out of hand. I don't know. That was my first club experience. I really haven't gone to that many since then. I don't. I don't. I don't like. I don't like not being able to hear myself and hear the other person I'm talking and, to. And, and yes, and especially when Fabulous is not performing. You yeah, know, man. Then, I then didn't you would have been able to, to see him. Yeah, that's. And, and you weren't even willing to stick it out for the rest of the night. You had to. I mean, had to figure at that point. He's he's showing up at some point. I'm surprised you didn't just you know try to tough it out it for a little like bit longer. It was like three thirty in the morning. I was tired. That's <laughs> that's uh, a very. That's how I feel place. watching the NBA playoffs. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. If you want to share your first club experience, mine not nearly as fun as what Courtney seemed like. Because again, I'm a Midwesterner, and you know that's it's where I grew up. Grew up in Wisconsin. We don't have a ton of clubs here. A lot of cornfields, not a lot of clubs. But I'll tell you my first club experience coming up next. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Canteen Carlin, the podcast. What was your first club experience? Courtney just shared hers. Pretty good story. I'm Gabe Knight, so she's Courtney Cronin. Filling in on Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And I feel, because we both grew up in the Midwest, our first club experiences certainly not going to be the typical first club experiences. Courtney, you just shared yours. You were 24, you said? Yeah, I was old. Like, I, was, I'm not, I wasn't as washed as I am now, but I wasn't a young, late teenager, first time I ever, like, went out sort of thing, fake ID, the whole thing. I never actually did any of that, as lame as that sounds, because I was worried when I went to school at Indiana University there was a, a pretty strong contingent of undercover cops that would not let Ooh. you get in anywhere without a fake ID. And I had always heard the rumor that you're going to get charged with identity theft if you use someone's fake ID. So that was enough to scare me to not doing it. <laughs> I don't need that on the old resume. Don't don't need the identity theft. So I, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. I went to a, a school that half the city's population was the college campus in southwestern in southwestern Wisconsin, a Division three school where like yeah we've got bars 
and then maybe the one club, the, the, the thing that qualifies it as a quote-unquote club is it has a dance floor versus just, you know, a bar where you're going to go drink. Like that, I, I didn't have that experience in college, and being in Wisconsin, it's not like we're a, you know, a hotbed of clubs going on. I think we've got one place, one place in the entire state that might qualify as a club, and it probably even pales in comparison to even the worst of clubs in South Beach that you were just talking about. But I have been to that place here in Milwaukee, Apartment 720, and the first time that I went there was after an event that our company that I work for, I do a morning show on ESPN Milwaukee, our parent company is Good Karma Brands. We did this event for 10 plus years called the Wisconsin Sports Awards, where we gave out awards to professional athletes, college athletes, high school athletes. We tried to get all the athletes in the state all in the same place. And the first one was really cool because we had Ryan Braun and Aaron Rodgers both attend. Now, this was pre- you know, steroid, you know, accusation slash suspension for Ryan Braun. So he was still in everybody good, everybody's good graces, was still very buddy-buddy with the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers at the time, Aaron Rodgers. So we were trying to think of the coolest place or maybe one of the best places to have the after party after that. And it was at this club. So I somehow end up at this club with, you know, I, I don't think Aaron or Ryan Braun showed up that night, but some of the other athletes that were invited, you know, maybe not the A-listers that showed up, and I ended up hanging out with Heisman Trophy running back from the University of Wisconsin, Ron Dane, all night as we were ripping shots in apartment 720 here in Milwaukee. We didn't have a big headliner DJing or playing, you know, uh, you know anybody come in as you were waiting for Fabulous Down in Miami, but that was, I mean, I would say it's not a bad experience when you end up ripping shots with Ron Dane from the University of Wisconsin. Never thought I'd be talking about ripping shots on ESPN Radio, but here we are. (laughs) Who bought the shots? Was this like On Good Karma brand? I think it was. I I did not pay for the shots, so I'm not sure if it was On Good Karma or if Ron just happened to throw down a credit card and we were having a good time. But the only thing I know is I did not pay for them. Uh, so I was not. I'm not sure if it was twenty six dollars a drink. I can't imagine in Milwaukee you're going to survive charging yeah, twenty six dollars a drink. I think that's a thing up there. Yeah. I, so I shouldn't be surprised by that number, though. I, sh- I mean, I live in Chicago. Like when I, you know, if, I would imagine the club scene. That's probably a standard drink price at certain places because of the upcharge. I'm not a big bottle service type of gal. I've had a couple instances of that where I'm like, this is overpriced and a waste of money, and I can go to a Binnie's. And buy the same bottle of Tito's for twenty four ninety nine, and then not pay three hundred dollars for it. Is, and is people that, bringing it in with sparklers. That's what it's like down here. These streets are rough, man. Is is that kind of the curse of being from the Midwest? Like we are, we look at that and go, man, that's too expensive. Like we're too thrifty. We know the cost of something, and we don't want to spend more than that. Like, is that part of like the Midwestern? That's why. That's why there's not going to be very many clubs that survive in the Midwest. I think we're just wholesome people. You and me, Gabe. I think the rest of America needs to like learn from us about like what the real wholesome experience of going to a bar and throwing back a PBR. I'm like, I'm making myself sound like what I don't do. Like I'm a big wine cow. So no, I mean like I the the whole club element for me that bothers me about it is that. It's, and I'm going to make myself sound old. Like, Sauce Gardner probably would have nothing to relate to me about the way that he clearly didn't, not knowing who Jessica Alba was. But there we go. Um, I just like being able to hear myself think. Sure. Like what, 
prime example. Like when I'm in program and sometimes <laughs> I hear the music too loud like it is right now, I can't think clearly because my brain's saying Nate Dog, and my other part of my brain saying, tell the story, you idiot. And so that's the issue I have with the nightclub. I can't go in there and have a, you know, a true face-to-face conversation with somebody where I can actually like understand what they're saying because I can hear it. If the music's too loud, there's no real point. I mean, there, a lot of people go to clubs for different reasons. I like to go out and have conversations with people. I talk yeah, exactly. I want to. I want to be able to talk to if you're, you know, hanging out with a significant other. If at, you know, in in the youth, you're trying to, you know, take somebody out and have a good time. You want to be able to hear. You want to be able to have that conversation. Try to make that connection. Which, man, I saying those words out loud. I feel so old and so, so washed. Old, like, Canny was saying forty two is old. I'm not close to that yet, but good lord. It's it's gonna be forty two is not old, but it is washed. That, no, I was about to say that really that number's coming that up closer than I want it to, and yeah, I don't even want to think about forty two like Jessica Alba, who looked fantastic, by the way. What does Boston need to do to, to avoid falling down two zero? We discuss next on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Nine seconds on the shot clock. Harden for three. Shot up. It's good. Harden made a triple. The Sixers go up by two. Eight seconds to go. The Sixers have one game one. 119. 115. How about that? We didn't come in the game expecting to lose. You know what I mean? Like, we are here to win. And even after this game, I told the guys, don't get too happy. Like, we even kill. You know what I mean? Like, we're coming here to get game two as well. And so that's the mindset that we have as a unit. Extended edition of Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Gabe Nigel, Courtney Croning, filling in for the guys. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Reason why this program's a half hour longer? Well, because we have NBA basketball coming up at 7.30 Eastern as the Celtics are hosting the 76ers. And the man who is going to be on the call of that game joins us now, Mark Kestisher, ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer. He'll be calling the game tonight with P.J. Carlissimo. And with the 76ers, who are already up one nothing in the series, Mark, and now they are presumably getting their MVP and Joel Embiid back, what do the Celtics need to do differently to avoid losing the first two games at home? Gabe, Courtney, uh, good evening from Boston. We just had a chance to uh, speak with Joe Mazzulla, the Celtics head coach, about 15 minutes ago. And, you know, that was my first question in an interview that will air on our uh, pregame show, the countdown show with uh, Kevin Winter in a little bit. But basically it was like a laundry list, Gabe. It's like we got to have better spacing. we got to do a better job when they are man versus zone, which Philadelphia did a number of times in game one. they got to be better at their decision-making got to be better defending Harden and we just heard the go-ahead three-pointer in his turn back the clock performance the other night for 45 points and if Joel Embiid is out there obviously that brings a whole nother wrinkle and I'm watching Embiid get up some short jumpers right now low box maybe six feet away warming up so they got their hands full Uh, we see this a lot in the NBA team loses game one unexpectedly and then they come out and look completely different, especially knowing the next two after this are going to be on the road. So I would expect a much more crisp effort from the Celtics tonight. Kesty, what does Embiid look like? I know that he went through shoot-around today. Sounds like he's going through his warm-up. Does he have anything on the injured right knee? You know, I'm looking right now, Courtney, just the usual leggings that a lot of NBA players wear. I don't see. There's no kind of brace or anything extra around that knee it was really uh, some standstill shooting and now he's moved out to about 15 feet so he's catching the ball 
He's pivoting. He's kind of one-legging it a little bit. So he's ramping up, and now for the first time, just kind of a dribble and a couple of steps to the high post. So uh, this looks more like you would see typically from Joel on a game night. So I think 13 days. Could he have gone two days ago? Maybe. Would have been more prudent to say we're up 1-0 and let him rest for two more. Uh, but there's no doubt Doc Rivers and the Sixers are not going to let him play if there's any kind of swelling or anything that could get worse. And now he's kind of taking some shots, pivoting and dribbling down to the baseline. So we'll have a better idea, obviously, within a half hour, 50 minutes, um, you know, to find out what's going on. We'll have definitive words, certainly. I would figure maybe 10 minutes after this little warm-up process that's going on right in front of us now. Mark Kestesher getting his warm-up reps in as well, doing a little go. Joel Embiid play-by-play <laughs> for us here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio. Mark, of course, on the call tonight. Sixers uh, on the road against the Celtics. Game 2 in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Boston's down 1-0. It feels like there's been some tension within that team all season long. Who knows what happens with Jalen Brown at the end of the year. Are you feeling that tension inside the building or even talking to you know, members of the organization? You know, I try to sometimes gauge from the head coach. We don't have as much player access as we've had in the past pregame. Um, and I thought Joe Missoula seemed kind of loose to me. You know, he's, he's a rookie head coach that, to be honest, not, it might not be anything against him, but in our interviews has felt a little tight early part of the season. We saw him at the All-Star game in Denver, and it was the first time. Of, it's an All-Star game, so you can't win or lose, right? But it was the, the freest I had ever felt interviewing him, and I expected him to be tight tonight before our discussion. I didn't sense that. I think this team's very confident in its abilities. I think they're a little bit embarrassed about Game 1. Um, you know, have there been times this year where they've been I don't want to say lackadaisical, but, you know, showing that closing effort when they have leads. We have seen that. Um, but I, I don't get sense of any tension before it came to, you know, from the club. From the fan standpoint, that could be different. I mean, it's you want to talk about a day that belies the Celtics 0-1 at home. It's gray. It's been rainy. It's, you know, chilly for the first week of May. Uh, the Bruins get knocked out after their great season. And then the Celtics lose game one here. So uh, if, if anything could be gray and ugly, it was today. But certainly will be turned around by a good start by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown tonight. Kesty, you brought up the comments from Joe Missoula earlier when he's talking about getting his team into spacing quicker. And that came after he said he needed to be better at play calling. He needed to put this team in better position to win. Do you get the sense that he feels like he was outcoached by Doc Rivers in game one? I, you know, I get the sense that, yes, he felt that he made mistakes that he should not have made. And that could be just chalk it up to rookie mistakes. Ime Adoka was in the same boat last year. Uh, they, you know, they went on a finals run. Uh, but you're going up against, you know, Steve Kerr, as Ime did in the finals last year. And who's got more experience than Doc Rivers? You know, Greg Popovich, when you look at, you know, wins all time active. So... Doc's been through all this. He's been through it here. Um, Joe's only 34 years old. You know, it's hard to remember that you know, he was an, an assistant on this staff. The top two assistants got NBA jobs during the offseason, and Ime got suspended in September. And he's done a remarkable job to lead this team to 57 wins and the second seed. Uh, but, you know, in the first game of the second round against a very experienced coach on a night we all felt. It was going to be a Boston night without Embiid. I'm sure there were regrets, 
But the one thing you you learn about Joe Missoula that I have learned over this year, and I remember calling his games when he played at West Virginia, uh, it, it feels like not that long ago because he's so young, is he's very smart, he learns from his mistakes, and he's quick to adjust. So we'll keep an eye on that, but I suspect that, um, you know, some of the things that he might have regretted from game one, whether he spoke it or didn't speak it, probably won't happen again. Mark Kessinger, the ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer, going to be on the call in oh, about 50 minutes from now. Pre-game starting 20 minutes from now right here on ESPN Radio as the Celtics host the Sixers. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Gabe Nigel, Courtney Cronin in for the guys. You mentioned, Kesty, at the beginning of the throwback performance that the Sixers got out of James Harden. What version of Harden is needed the rest of the way for the Sixers not just to win the series, but to win an NBA championship? Yeah, he's just, he's to me, he's just got to be a, a complement player, especially if Embiid is anything close to 100%. Um, because, look, his assists were way up this year. He led the league. Um, he seems to be fine with that role. He's still going to get his, not at the rate he did when he won the MVP five years ago, though he looked like it the other night. You know, if he's given them 20 points and 10 assists and Embiid's close to 100 and, and Tyrese Maxey has turned in, you know, some people were saying maybe the, the number two player and James Harden's the number three player on this team. You know, that's all he, he's really got to do. We've seen too many times in the postseason where he's come up short in the big moment in the postseason. And, there, you know, nobody talks about that after what he delivered in game one here. And that's why, you know, it was even a bigger surprise at this late date. Sometimes he hasn't measured up in, in, the, uh, in the big moment. But you get the feeling, unlike Houston, which fell apart, unlike Brooklyn, uh, which, you know, even James Harden recognized and the antenna went up and it was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to go somewhere else. This is not healthy. In Brooklyn, and he comes to Philly, and you're trying to figure it out. And you know, I'm watching the MVP last night when Embiid got the award, and how happy James Harden was for him. And today, you know, giving him the Rolex, you just get the sense that there's a bond between those two that's a lot stronger than I think any of us even realized in just his year plus in Philadelphia. And so I think he knows. He's had a great run in the NBA. He's not what he was, though we saw it the other night. And he's a real good compliment to Joel Embiid. So that's a long way to say if he can just be average Harden, which has been really good this year, you know, they're going to be in a good place. Kesty, we appreciate the time and look forward to hearing you and P.J. Carlissimo on the call as the Celtics are hosting the Sixers tonight right here on ESPN Radio. Appreciate it, Gabe. Courtney, thanks a lot. Mark Kessler, ESPN Radio play-by-play announcer again on the call with the NBA playoffs because they're on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. Sixers are on the road against the Celtics presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up next, we'll give you our play of the night plus three and out. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio. Cantia and Carlin, the podcast. Time to earn some cash. The taste of money, the smell of wealth. Canty and Carlin's best play of the night. The taste of money. This may be where the Midwest curse kind of hits me and Courtney again. And I know it's been legal in Illinois more than it's been legal here in where I am at in the state of Wisconsin. Gabe Knight, so Courtney Cronin filling in on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. But... We don't really dive into 
Courtney, and I feel comfortable speaking for you here, into the sports gambling space. Okay. And maybe we, maybe we should, but tonight, to give you that play of the night, we have to rely on Eric Hanman, our producer, back at Bristol. I appreciate you saying my name this time, Gabe. Yeah, no, hey, I, I, last, time, last time I got a little gun-shy. I thought there <laughs> were like an extra syllable, extra vowels in Hanman, and like, I panicked and just said your first name, but this time I felt a lot more confident. All right, well, coming up next, of course, is Sixers and the Celtics Game 2. Celtics down 1-0 in the series. We're going to do a little same-game parlay. Okay. So, Joel Embiid is going to play, right? 24.5 points is the number. I'm taking the over. I know that there's probably some some concern about whether or not he's going to play long enough to do that, but I'm taking the over. Jason Tatum's number is 31.5. I think he's going to have a decent game, but I don't think he's going to get over 31.5. So, I'll say under Jason Tatum, 31.5. And then James Harden assists eight and a half. I'm going to go over, and that's a big plus four hundred uh, for the number that it is juiced up to. So over twenty four and a half points for Joel Embiid, under thirty one and a half points for Jason Tatum, and over eight and a half assists for James Harden. What do you guys think? I would go under on the points for Embiid he's, for Embiid because he's still dealing with the knee injury, and he never scored more than twenty six. In that series with the Nets, 26 came in game two, and then it went 2014, and then he obviously didn't play that last game. I He just I, won the MVP, though. You know, he's, <laughs> he's also dealing with a sore knee, my guy. Like, Don't we think he's going to try to ease into this? There might be some minutes restriction on him. I hope not. I'd love to see an unleashed Joel Embiid. I would take the under on him, and I'd take the over. On Jason Tatum. He had 39 the other night. I think he's going to not get close to 40, but probably around 35. I get I get so nervous on any sort of Tatum because can, most of the time it's there. Like, most of the time the 31 and, and a half is there. And then you get 1 of 10 from 3. Yeah, yeah and it's just, it, it becomes such a scary proposition. He's Yeah, he's either going to go way over 31 and a half or he's scoring, like, 12 points because he just can't hit a 3. So that's always scary to me. But based on this, Eric, it seems like you really like the Sixers tonight. I do. I think they're going to go up 2-0 to zero and take this thing back to Philadelphia with a nice lead. I think we're going to be panicking tomorrow on Candy and Carlin and every other ESPN radio show about the Boston Celtics. And is this thing over before it truly begun? I concur. Thank you, That's Eric. That's the play of the night. Let's go see, ahead and but, get to... Whoa. But Eric, see, Eric can get out of here with this. He's going on vacation. Oh, he... I have to come back and face the music if my take sucks. So That's true. That is true. <laughs> Sorry for you. <laughs> anyway. Let's go ahead and get to three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Three and Out is brought to you by Union Pacific. Get your career on track with Union Pacific Railroad. Apply at up.jobs slash sports. One of the stories we did not get to today, Courtney, White Sox closer Liam Hendricks is working on his return from his cancer battle saying, quote, this is my next challenge as he is getting closer and closer to being able to pitch for the Chicago White Sox. He's battling non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I remember when this came out a couple months ago, and it felt like such a blow to this White Sox team where, you know, we had no idea if he was even going to be back and able to play baseball this year. And the fact that, you know, this remarkable 
recovery, to go through treatment, to go through chemotherapy, and now he's been designated for a rehab assignment. There's hope that he'll be back in this lineup. You know, from a baseball perspective, they certainly, certainly need him. The fact that he's got a clean bill of health, though, and he's going to go through that rehab assignment with AAA Charlotte, and it might not be that long before he gets called up. That's remarkable. Hats off to him. He credited his wife for helping him through this immensely difficult time, and, and hopefully that clean bill of health stays going forward. Yeah, it's, it is it, it is good to see that he is starting those rehab assignments, working his way back, and you know th- this is not something that is new to baseball, as John Lester, back when he pitched for the Red Sox before he you know finished up with the Cubs and pitched for, I believe, the Nationals toward the end of his career, he was diagnosed at age 22 with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, was able to come back, and that was always a great story surrounding him. Hopefully we get something similar when it comes to Liam Hendricks. Keeping it in baseball. General Manager Brian Cashman pretty much going to Yankees fans after a month saying, hey, don't give up on us. We're not actually that bad. Saying, quote, don't count us out. He said that before today's game. Don't give up on us. This is a championship caliber operation. Yankees, 31 games in the season, uh, $277 million payroll, but they are 16-15. and 15. And granted, the Rays got off to a really hot start, Courtney, winning 13 in a row, but they are eight and a half games behind those first place Tampa Bay Rays. Is it time to panic for the Yankees in that payroll? The injuries are a concern. I know Carlos Rondon went down with injury, Luis Severino. Like, and Rondon's your big signing this offseason. So mm-hmm. when you talk about that payroll, it's six years, $162 million, and you don't know, like, when he's going to pitch. Like, that's a problem. We always hit the panic meter when this team doesn't do what the Tampa Bay Rays did. And with that long win streak that I know ended, I believe, at 12, but still they're in first place in the American League East. I I have issues with where the Yankees are coming from here. They have a high payroll, but frankly, shouldn't the Mets be making some of these same sort of uh, concessions here about, like, don't count us out considering how high their payroll is? Yeah, but at least the Mets are in second place in their division where the Yankees right now are in last. So that's that's the, the troublesome part for them, getting off to a slow start. It is going to be tougher to dig yourself out of a hole in the American League East when you have to get past the Red Sox and the Orioles and the Jays just to get to second place behind the Rays where the Mets, yes, their record one game better currently than what the Yankees are offering, even just a half game because they're 16-14. and 14. But they're in second place, only four games back in their division. So because their division is worse, it seems like you don't have to panic quite yet if you're the New York Mets. I just I look at the Rays and where they are in, like, in the AL East, and I feel like you, the Yankees could be a team that are competing with maybe eight others for a wild card. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Like that's you know Things could be a lot worse. What are they? You said 16 and 15 right now? The yeah, issue I mean, is the, the American surrounding East contenders. is stupid. Nobody is under below 500. Nobody's even at 500. Everybody's above 500 in the American League East right now. So you hope that health would help things level off. Maybe you get a few depth moves to get the team where it needs to be. You know, outside of the injuries, like their rotation is not pitching very well right now. They spent a lot of money on it too. So if those things can try to level off. Over the next month, maybe getting into the All-Star break, if we can project this thing out two months, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, it's it's always easy to, when you when your team's playing 500 baseball early in the season, it's easier to panic because it just you look at it. You, you can see the record saying 500, but 
if the Rays at some point play 500 baseball for two, three weeks, you're not going to notice it as much because they gave themselves that such a big buffer because of the hot streak at the beginning of the season. It's just so easy to panic early in the baseball season. There is still so much baseball to be played. Please, please remember everybody, it is a long, long season. They still have 131 games to play. The Yankees... Don't have to hit the panic button. Nobody has to hit the panic button right now And maybe in you, baseball. you are the White Sox. Uh, maybe Boston hits the panic button tonight if the Celtics lose. That's coming up next. Celtics, 76ers. Game two is next. This is Ben Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.